This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate, so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K through 12th grade curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. If you want to bring IXL to your school, you can learn more at IXL.com backslash B-E. That's IXL.com backslash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, activity periods, RTI, therapy, and teacher appointments, and much more. With its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE. This is Dr. Karen, and you're listening to the Are They 18 Yet podcast, where I help pediatric therapists become better leaders so they can make a bigger impact with their services. On this show, I'll share up-to-date evidence-based practices, my own experiences, and guest interviews designed to help clinicians and educators feel more confident in the way that they serve their caseloads so they can help school-age kids grow up to be successful, kind, well-adjusted people. there, it's Dr. Karen, and welcome to episode 83 of the Are the 18 Yet podcast. In this episode, I'm really excited to share a snippet of a presentation that I have been working on to support clinicians. The title of the presentation is How to Provide Top-Notch Support for Your Caseload Using the Asset Stack Method even in a system loaded with constraints. So if you are a speech pathologist, a social worker, a psychologist, or any other special service provider working with K-12 kids, this presentation is for you, especially if you are tired of not feeling like your clinical skills are being fully utilized, if you feel like you're put in a position where you can't provide good support for kids because of all of the constraints, all of the red tape, then you're going to find this really valuable. This snippet that I'm going to share in this episode is the portion of the presentation where I explain how an asset stack could work. The reason that I came up with this is because there is not a lot of good advice out there for clinicians when it comes to self-care and productivity. This is actually something that I used myself over the past 10 years for a number of things. I used it when I was working full-time as an SLP and also getting my doctorate at the same time. I've also used this process when I was getting my special ed administrative credential and I had to do different internship projects. And also at the same time, I wanted to make sure that I was choosing projects that actually served the caseload that I currently had 
So that required a lot of different coordinating, a lot of different uh, relationships that I had to build. I had to sell myself and my ideas. So a lot of things went into that. So I used this process for those types of things as well. And I've also taught this to other people. I've used it to build my business on the side while I was working full time. And I teach this process to other clinicians as well to help them to really design their services in a way that supports kids globally beyond just direct therapy sessions. So if you are struggling with generalization, if you feel like you don't have enough time to do all the things that you need to do, and if you feel like you have no leverage, if you feel kind of powerless and helpless to actually serve the caseload in a way that you know that you're qualified to do and in a way that you know that your kids need, then you are definitely not going to want to miss out on the full presentation, which should be available by the time I'm releasing this episode. I am working on it as we speak. So the problem is a lot of these productivity strategies for clinicians focus on helping you create more time and time management, but the reason that they don't work very well is because they're not used within the right system. And the other issue is that you can only create so much time if you have an unreasonable workload. So this asset stack is a solution to all of those issues. So to check out the full presentation, go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash asset stack, and you'll be able to see the entire presentation in full. So if you enjoy this episode and you want to learn the entire process, then go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash asset stack. So now I'll go ahead and share the episode where I walk through the asset stack method. Once you've gotten clarity from creating a vision and you've created some systems to help win you back time, what you want to do is then figure out what to do with that additional time that you've created. That additional time is an asset and you can use it to build other things that are going to get you better results. So this is where we start to build leverage and this is how you increase the influence you have over how you provide services. So you have more freedom to deliver services in a way that truly serves kids. So how do we create leverage? We create leverage by building assets. What we wanna do is think about stacking these things on top of each other. So a lot of times we use that time to create something that gets us results. Sometimes the thing that we create can save us time. Sometimes it can help us to get more mileage out of the services that we provide. Sometimes it might get us access to financial stability or financial resources to make certain things happen for our caseload. And sometimes it can just help us to sharpen our skill sets so we can get even better at what we do. So when we're thinking about building assets, here are some of the categories that we want to think about. We want to think about resources, knowledge, relationships, and money. These are not the only assets that you can create, but they are definitely some of the big categories that you want to start with. So the first two shifts that you learned about are going to help you create these other assets for yourself. Assets can be used to create other assets, which can help you get more out of what you have available to you or create more of it. Remember, you can only create so much time, but if you use that time wisely, 
that can help you to get better results. Let me show you some examples of what I mean. So first, let's talk about resources. If you're a therapist, you probably have a room full of materials that you use to serve kids. You might have assessment protocols. You might have a, a lot of stuff that you use in your clinical practice. And you may have also created some things that you can give to parents or other people that you work with to help share information about what you do so that the other people who are working with the kids can actually reinforce what you're doing. So in order to do all of these things, you need actual resources. You need actual physical stuff to help you to do whatever it is that you're doing. Sometimes it requires funding and there's work that needs to be done in order for you to get access to these things. So one of the key things that you're going to want to do once you build your productivity systems is figure out what resources that you need in order to get kids what they need. Is it that you need to create some handouts or training materials for other people that you work with? Is it that you need to write a grant for funding for different testing materials that you need for your students? Is it that you need actual things in order to be more effective in your therapy or things that you might want to share with other colleagues so that you can divide and conquer and reinforce some of the same skills in different ways so that there's seamless integration between all the different therapies that kids are getting. You need stuff to make this happen. So that's how we can use resources to create leverage. Once you create things once, you don't necessarily have to keep recreating them. And the other thing is that they can actually save you time because many times if you create something, it might help a student get support in an area where they need additional services or practice. And that might free up some time in therapy for you to work on something else. Another asset that's gonna be so important for you as a clinician is your skills and your knowledge. So the most obvious one would be your clinical skills. If you do have an area where you feel like you need to continue sharpening the saw, that is something that you can do with this additional time that you're going to free up. But we don't just want to think about clinical skills here. We also want to think about things that you might traditionally consider soft skills, such as how to run an effective meeting, how to do an effective training and provide follow-up support and mentoring or consulting how to run an effective consult with a teacher, how to present your ideas to a supervisor so that you can get access to more support for your students. Maybe you even want to build some other skills that are how to network with some of the leadership and community resources so that you can get better support for kids. All of these things require skills and knowledge some of which you might not have learned in your clinical preparation. Obviously, if you're someone who's thinking about transitioning to a leadership role or maybe transitioning to self-employment, if you're interested in something like a private practice, you do need to literally sell yourself and your services in those particular situations in order for you to actually be successful in business. But even if you're not sure if that's something you want to do, or even if you think, nope, I want to stay put. If you learn how to sell your services and your ideas, you're going to have more influence and impact over how things are done in your facility. 
The next asset that you want to think about is your relationships. Many times, if you have relationships with people who either have access to resources, who have decision-making ability, or who can just be there to help you get things done, you can provide better support for your caseload. So learning how to create relationships and using the time that you're freeing up to build relationships with other people can make a huge impact on the quality of your service delivery, whether it's teaming up with a teacher to deliver some kind of an intervention, whether it's meeting with some type of leader in your district or facility so that you can have more of an impact on how things are done. This is going to be key. And this is going to be something that is going to pay off in the long run. Now I wanted to talk about money. So when it comes to financial resources, there are a couple different ways that we want to think of this as an asset. We want to think about funding to get things done. And we want to think literally about money that you can earn. So on one hand, if you create more time and tools, this gives you more bandwidth to be able to do things that can involve getting you more funding, such as just doing research, um, writing grants, figuring out ways to get access to funding to actually make things happen for your caseload, or even for yourself, if you're looking into going back and getting additional certifications or degrees, there are funding sources that you can find to get those things done that can be additional assets that you can get. Building more skills and assets can open up more opportunities so you could potentially do things on the side. You can learn new skills that you can use to take clients on the side, do consulting work, do teaching opportunities, all kinds of things that can actually earn you income. And if you wanted to, you could pursue full-time self-employment like I've done, but you don't have to, but you can certainly use that to create additional income streams, which allow you to create more freedom in the work that you choose to do. The more options you create for yourself, the more marketable you become, the less you're going to feel like you're stuck in one particular situation. So now I wanted to give you a quick visual and a rundown of how this concept of asset stacking can work. Because ultimately, what you want to do is create a vision, create more time, and then start stacking one asset on top of the other so that you can create more leverage and make a bigger impact with your work. So as I said before, the thing that we want to start with is creating productivity protocols so that we can create more time to get things done so that we can start to focus on more influential things. Obviously, if we are stuck in routine paperwork and we're always putting out fires and we don't have control over our time, we're not going to be able to think about building any additional assets. So that's the thing we start with. So let's say, for example, you were to build some protocols and block out some time to focus on the next asset. Again, remember, we don't have to fix everything with the productivity protocol. We just need to give ourselves enough time to create the next thing. And we move in layers. So let's say you freed up some time. Then you can start to use that additional time to create some agendas or protocols for collaborations you might want to have with additional coworkers. You can use that time to kind of get your head around what your strategy might be 
and who you might want to reach out to and how you might want to approach those interactions. So you could start to create some protocols and plans for that. Then those protocols might result in some relationships with two or three key colleagues. I'm just saying two or three. It doesn't have to be that number of people. I'm just saying that because when you want to start doing this, you don't want to try to all of a sudden overnight have relationships with every single person in your facility. You want to start small with just a couple key people that you could potentially collaborate with. So again, it does not have to go in this specific order. This is just an example. So let's say that you build some relationships with a couple of your colleagues. Then as you start to collaborate with them, you can start to pool your resources or collaboratively work on some resources together. Whether this means sharing trading protocols, whether this means creating resources to train staff or parent handouts, if you start to pool your resources, you can make more out of what you have instead of going alone. Once you create those resources, what that's going to do is it's going to allow your therapy time to be more focused. Perhaps when you started collaborating, you realized that maybe one of your colleagues was working on some skills that you were working on and maybe they're doing a pretty good job. So that might free up some therapy time and help you to be more focused on specific skills that your students might need to work on. Your therapy time becomes more focused. And when that happens, instead of jumping around from skill to skill, you become really skilled in a couple key areas. So that can actually make you a better clinician and that can result in additional clinical skills. And when you have better clinical skills, it takes you less time to plan and you can still be just as, if not more effective when you start to be more efficient. That additional time that you were able to spend in therapy on specific skills actually made you better at your job. Maybe it made you more efficient. And because you're more efficient, now you're spending less time planning and you have some additional time that you freed up. You could use that time to start to build some of your networking skills and start to figure out how might I use some of these skills that I have to start to build relationships with people, start to learn how to sell and talk about what I'm doing so I get better at explaining things and get better at persuading people to do things that are in my students' best interest. And so those networking skills can be so valuable, whether you are wanting to stay in your current position or whether you're wanting to literally sell services to people. So those networking skills can allow you to stack a couple more assets. So for example, you could start to have more influence over the protocols in your facility, which could help you be more effective, which could help you feel better about your work and could also help serve your caseload so that your students are better off. Additionally, those networking skills can also allow you to create additional income streams. If you're better at selling your services, maybe you're more confident and you want to start taking private clients on the side. Maybe you want to start doing some parent consultations or offering some other services on the side as a self-employed person. And maybe you have some aspirations to move on to another position, or maybe you are thinking of doing something, you know, the, the self-employment route. You can use those networking skills to do that. And then once you've created more income streams, what that gives you is more freedom over how you spend your time and more leverage. The influence over your protocols can do this as well. And once you have more freedom over your time, 
You're going to be in a situation where you feel better about what you do. And also you're putting yourself in a position where you can have an impact on how things are done. Obviously, if you have more influence in your facility, that's going to help. But if you are actually providing services as a self-employed person, then you have even more influence over how things are done and how you serve. And if you have the skills to know how to do other things and you're expanding your options, you're going to put yourself in a position where you have more career options so you don't feel like you're stuck in one situation. And so this means if you do choose to stay in your current job, you're there because you want to be there, not because you feel like you have to be there. So this is just one example of how an asset stack could look. Obviously, this is not the only way it could work, but this just gives you an idea of how powerful this strategy is. And also why all of these strategies need to be used together in order for this to be effective. If you're not considering how to stack these things on top of each other, then it feels like that messy closet that I showed you at the beginning, and you're not going to create real leverage. But when you do all of these things together strategically, you can make a really big impact and put yourself in a position where you can have a real influence with the work that you do. This concept of leverage is what helps you to multiply your assets and your influence over and over again. The more you stack, the more impact you have. The assets that you build over time are going to help you do the things you need to do with less effort. like what you heard in this episode and you want to see the entire presentation where I outline the three shifts that are going to help you to create top-notch support for your caseload, even in a system loaded with constraints, then definitely go to drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash asset stack to sign up for the entire presentation so that you can learn the entire process and how it works together. Specifically, this is for pediatric therapists, so speech pathologists, social workers, psychologists, counselors, or really any other special service providers who are supporting kids. Again, that's drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash asset stack. If you enjoyed this episode, Definitely share it with your friends and leave us a rating on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you again for listening, and I hope to see you in the next episode. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments without just teaching to the test? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com backslash BE to learn how IXL's research-based teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com backslash BE. 
There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into the master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE.